Genesis chapter 1, we'll look at verses 1 and 2 as our text this morning. And we'll read them together in unison. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Word of God says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your tremendous power shown in these verses. Creation itself, uh, the very beginnings, the origin of it all. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this record and how you begin to reveal yourself to us uh, even from the very beginning. And Lord, today as we uh, look at the subject at hand, we ask that you would uh, speak to us. The only thing we can know about you is what you tell us about yourself. Uh, You must reveal yourself to us. And so please give us understanding today and then give us wisdom uh, that we may apply what we hear to our lives. I pray if there's one listening today that's not saved, they're not born again, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray for your people listening, that they would be uh, edified, built up, and encouraged, and comforted, and convicted. Help us to all live like thee. And may the sweet Holy Spirit of God speak to each and every heart and transform us into thy image, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We pick up the Bible right here where it all begins. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we see in these verses, time, space, and matter came into existence. God was that pre-existent one. He has always existed. He has no beginning and he has no end. And he, in the beginning, created uh, the heaven and the earth. Uh, then verse 2 says in the earth, so it talks about creation itself, the heaven, the universe, and then it focuses in on the earth. Uh, the earth is the habitation of mankind, and God created it for us to live. And it says the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then this, look at this next sentence, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God. Today I want to preach a message simply entitled, An Introduction to the Holy Spirit. Our theme this year is supernatural, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave each one of us who are His children, who have believed in Him, uh, the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And not just to, to live there, but to do things and to work. And I believe that as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and we are filled with the Holy Spirit that we can begin to act more and more like God and less and less like us. And we become the best version of ourselves. We become that supernaturally charged Paul Chapman instead of that old lame weirdo Paul Chapman. Uh, and he is weird. I don't like him myself. Uh, but you know, each one of us have two natures, don't we, who are saved. We have the old nature. That's the lost, sinful part of us. It loves to sin. It wants to sin. It wants what it wants without cost or without regard of cost and what it does to anybody else. It steals and it takes and it wants and it lusts. I don't want to live that way. It's not who I want to be. Then there's a new nature we have whenever we're born again and we trust in Christ. We have that new man that lives within us that's created after God himself. And 
that part being molded and shaped into the image of God. And that part of us can't sin, doesn't want to sin, wants to be like God, wants to do the right thing. And Galatians chapter 5 talks about that battle between the two natures within every Christian. You and I, every day when we wake up, we decide whether we're going to yield to that uh, old sinful nature that just wants what it wants, or we're going to yield to that new nature that, that wants to be like God. And through the process of sanctification, we can lay aside those old weights and sins that used to have hold of us, and we can become more and more like Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that is so busy working in us, the Holy Spirit that takes up residence in us. And so we're going to spend a lot of time this year talking about the Holy Spirit uh, because it's vital that we understand who He is and what He's trying to do if we're going to live that supernatural life and become who God wants us to be. But before we get into uh, all the great subjects we're going to talk about, we need to just learn who is the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? What does He do? You know, Paul was on a missionary journey in the book of Acts. We won't take time to look at it. We'll study it in, in a future uh, sermon. But He's on a missionary journey, and there's these church members there, and he says, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, well, we don't even know if there is a Holy Ghost. See, they had been baptized with John's baptism, but they'd never been taught further. And there's a lot of Christians walking around today that you've been truly saved. And when you got saved, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved in. He indwells you. And yet you don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit or what, that he's in you or, or what he's trying to do in you. And I think that there's, there's a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of ignorance about the Holy Spirit. And I think that's true uh, for two reasons. The confusion in Christian circles regarding the Holy Spirit, I believe it's there for two reasons. The first is some denominations spread false doctrine regarding the Holy Spirit. They make the Holy Spirit something he's not. They make the, some of the sign gifts in the beginning of, of Acts and such, they make those as even proofs of salvation. And then they'll change some of the things the Holy Spirit did and rename them and, and, and uh, say that they're things they're not. We're going to go into all of that. We're going to talk later this year about what happened at Pentecost and what about speaking in tongues and uh, filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of wonderful things in a way, not just, not just theological uh, stuff, but how that applies to life and how can these things make my life better when I understand these these things, it makes your life better. It makes you a better person. It makes you a better Christian. It makes you a better husband or wife, parent, child. It, it allows more joy to come into your life and for you to have uh, more satisfaction with life. And so these really are uh, enriching truths that are made to enrich our lives and help us in countless ways. But yeah, there's a lot of people that either don't even know there's a Holy Spirit, or if there is, they've heard, well, the, the apostolics say this, and the, the Church of God says this, and the Assembly of God says this, and the Pentecostals says this, and the TV preacher says this, and all of this, and what, what am I supposed to believe? So there's a lot of false doctrine running around out there about the, the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He does in Christian denominations, and we're going to uh, cover some of these false doctrines in a later setting. I, I want you to have full knowledge of this and really be grounded and settled in who the Holy Spirit is and, and what He's doing, and what He's trying to do. And then I think there's confusion in Christian circles, secondly, uh, because the Holy Spirit does not bring attention to Himself. The, now, the Bible has a tremendous amount to say about the Holy Spirit. Clearly, God wants us to know who He is and what He's trying to do so we can allow Him to do it. 
But the Holy Spirit doesn't bring attention to himself. The Holy Spirit's not going to jump up in your life and say, ooh, ooh, I'm the Holy Spirit, I'm here. Oh, pay attention to me. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit doesn't yell at you. He doesn't scream at you. Matter of fact, he often talks in a still, small voice. And the Holy Spirit will not force you to do anything. A matter of fact, we need to yield to him. We need to surrender to him. Uh, you can be filled with yourself if you want to be. But if you'll empty yourself and you'll lay aside your pride and ego, then the Holy Spirit can fill you. And it's a transforming thing. Uh, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit promotes Christ rather than speak of himself. We'll look at a lot of scriptures later, but I'll just read this, these to you. Uh, John sixteen thirteen says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself... But whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit's not trying to bring a lot of attention to himself. Matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say that the Holy Spirit's function, one of his main functions is to point people to Christ. And John fifteen twenty six says, but when the Comforter, that's capital C, speaking of, of the Holy Spirit, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Holy Spirit's pointing people to Christ, empowering us to point people to Christ. He doesn't bring a lot of attention to himself. So I've even had Christians say, well, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit doesn't talk of himself, so we don't really need to talk about him. No, uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring attention to himself, but God brings attention to the Holy Spirit. The Father points to the Holy Spirit. The Son points to the Holy Spirit. And just because the Spirit doesn't uh, bring attention to himself, that doesn't make the Holy Spirit any less important. He's still vitally important in your life. You need to know about him. You need to know where, where, what he's doing and how he's trying to make your life better and, and make you like Christ. But don't be confused that he is less important than any other part of the Godhead. And so I think for these two reasons, there's a lot of confusion in Christian circles about who the Holy Spirit is. <clears throat> but at the same token, uh, it's important for us to know who the Holy Spirit. Did you know he's at work in your life today? You know, whether you... I wonder if you, th and don't answer, but I wonder if you thought about the Holy Spirit today. I wonder if since you've been up, it's about 1040, I wonder since you've been up today, if you've given one thought that the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, lives within you. I mean, that's a pretty powerful truth if you think about it. You say, well, how close is God? He's in you. God's not a million miles away in heaven. He's right here. He, he dwells. He lives within our spirit. And, and so the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fact that whenever you were born again and you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit moved in. That's one of the, the most life changing truths of the entire scripture. And yet many Christians go day by day without even thinking about him. It's a tragedy. And so we're going to spend a lot of time this year talking about who the Holy Spirit is and not just him, but how he works together in the grand scheme of things. Uh, the Holy Spirit is seeking to empower you today. I know you can surrender to his ministry and become more than you ever dreamed, or you can resist his work 
and stay chained to mediocrity. Uh, the Holy Spirit is mentioned a 261, in 261 verses in the New Testament. Think about that. He's got a, prompt, uh, a prominent place in the New Testament. 261 verses. Uh, God intends for the Holy Spirit to be a large part of our lives as He is empowering us every day. So let's dive in uh, to this morning. I want to just show you a few things from the Scripture uh, about the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, the Holy Spirit has, is given 15 different titles in the Bible. We're not going to cover those in depth today. We'll do that in another, uh, another setting, another sermon. But 15 different titles. The most common of these are He's called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, capital S, or the Holy Ghost. And just so you know, as we go through these things, let's dive into this introduction of the Holy Spirit. Let me say number one about the Holy Spirit. He is a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. Uh, So think about this. Some wrongly believe that the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force. They wrongly believe that the Holy Spirit is just some force out there. No thought. He's just an energy. But no, the Bible speaks of the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, The Bible's clear about this. The Holy Spirit thinks, He feels, He loves, He grieves, He speaks, He guides, and the list goes on and on. Now we're going to spend an entire message on the personality of the Holy Spirit later, so I'm not going to dive into this, but it's important for you to understand right from the beginning that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, that He is a person. Uh, He is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Uh, He is all-powerful. Look look back here at our text verse, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God, uh, that's self-explanatory, created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit, notice the capital S there, this is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, moved upon the face of the waters. And so the Bible introduces the Holy Spirit to us in the second verse of Scripture. I believe this speaks to how important the Holy Spirit is. And as you look throughout the entire Bible, He's mentioned in the Old Testament many times. He's mentioned in the New Testament many times. And his, He's always working, uh, doing something, and I'll show you that later as well. So here we find the Holy Spirit involved in creation. Matter of fact, the Bible talks often about how the uh, Trinity, the, the Godhead, works together in Scripture. We see uh, the Father involved in creation. Uh, John chapter 1 tells us the Son was involved in creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. And so, and then we see the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. And so all three parts of the Godhead involved in creation. We also know that uh, all three parts of the Godhead are involved in salvation. And we preached a message on that a few years ago about watching the Trinity at work in the Scriptures and all the different ways that they are mentioned working together. Uh, God as one, one God, three distinct persons working in perfect unison and symphony Uh, wonderful, wonderful thought. But we see the Holy Spirit here mentioned in the very beginning of the Scripture, and He is involved in creation. He's all-powerful. He helped shape the universe by His power. Now, this is amazing that this omnipotent Holy Spirit is the same one that God put inside of you, that you're indwelt with, not just 
uh, some of the power of God, but the same God that created everything there is. He lives within you. That's why our theme's supernatural. We live so little of the life that God has planned for us. We, we, we just barely scrape the bottom of the barrel of what, what God has for us. It's the tip of the iceberg of all that we could be if we would acknowledge the Holy Ghost that lives within us. We would yield to His power and allow His omnipotent power to work in us and through us. Imagine who we could be and what we could accomplish. That's exciting. So we've seen, number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Number three, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Omni just meaning all. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Omnipresent is uh, all-present. So he's everywhere at the same time. Look at Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. We're introducing the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's omnipotent. And then we see that he is omnipresent. Psalm 139 is just a a tremendous psalm that speaks a lot of different truth and and powerful things. But we're just going to look at this verse today. Look at verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Well, what spirit? Thy spirit. Who's he talking to? God. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Who's the spirit of God? The Holy Spirit. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. And so here he's talking about there's nowhere you can get away from God. Well, you can ascend to the highest heights and God's there. The lowest lows and God's there. You can go find some remote island in, in some remote ocean and God's there. You can find the darkest place on the planet and God's there. He's not, he's not blinded by darkness. He doesn't exist as you and I exist. He's everywhere at the same time. And the Holy Spirit is not bound by time or space. He's not restricted or limited by distance. He's everywhere at the same time. That's how he can be in me and all of you at the same time. And he's with us right now. And then as we separate after a while, he goes with each one of us to wherever we go. And at the same time, he's inside of every other believer on the planet right now. How can he do that? Well, he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere and specifically with me at the same time. That's good news, isn't it? Now, if you're trying to get away from God, these verses are bad news for you, <laughs> right? But you can't run from God. Just ask Jonah. It didn't work out too well for him. But if you're trying to get to God, these verses are great news because you don't have to go far. Truth is, James says, James chapter 4, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. He's already there. He's already waiting. The only thing that separates us from God is our sin. And that's not a separation by distance, but a separation of relationship. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Number one, he's a person. Number two, he's omnipotent. Number three, he's omnipresent. Number four, he's omniscient. Uh, He is all-knowing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
These are thought-provoking scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and look at verse 10. Uh, let's look at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's good news, isn't it? If you love God this morning, say amen. God's got special things prepared. He was preparing them back then. He's preparing them now. Even right now, he's preparing a place for us. John 14, where we'll go and live with him in heaven forever. Uh, so he's always preparing. God's a giver. We talked about that last week. He's a giver and a rewarder. And so, uh, but we don't even know what God's going to give us, and we can't even consider it. It's never entered into our mind all the things that God wants to give us. But look at verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Why? For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So here the Bible says, listen, you don't know what God's thinking, but the Holy Spirit knows what God's thinking. And the Holy Spirit is able to reveal unto us as men who God is and what he's thinking. But then it goes on. Look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Uh, God is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We find out that man is a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. And so uh, nobody knows me like I know me, right? Uh, nobody uh, knows God like the Spirit knows God. And so the Holy Spirit is able to reveal unto us all the things that God knows that we need to know. And he's omniscient. Uh, is it any wonder that he's the one who's going to lead us and guide us into all truth? He's the one that is, is going to bring into remembrance the things that we have learned over the years. And have you ever been uh, somebody asks you a question and, and your mind's not even on that subject and then all of a sudden a verse pops in your head? Or perhaps you're witnessing to someone and all of a sudden these verses just come in your head? Or perhaps you're, you're, you're praying and you're reading your Bible and you're like, I wonder what that verse means. And then all of a sudden it's just like it comes to you that you know what that verse means. That's the Holy Spirit revealing all these things in us. And so not just scriptural things, but the Holy Spirit can reveal unto us what we're supposed to go. You know, the, the Bible didn't say uh, where you're supposed to go to church. The Holy Spirit can tell you. The, Holy Spirit, the Bible doesn't tell you where you're supposed to work. The Holy Spirit can tell you. The Bible doesn't say what career you're supposed to be involved in. The Holy Spirit can tell you. Uh, nobody knew that I was supposed to be called to preach. The Bible didn't say Paul Chapman's going to be a preacher, but the Holy Spirit told me. And then after I was called to preach, I wondered where I was going to pastor. I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit told me. And so it's the Holy Spirit that is revealing all of these things in us. He knows everything. And so the Bible tells us everything we need to know. This is the revealed will of God. And then the unrevealed will of God, the things we don't know, the Holy Spirit can take those thoughts of God and all the things God knows and give them to us as we need them because he knows everything that's good news he's all-knowing he has all knowledge nothing is hidden from him so he said number one he's a person number two he's omnipotent number three he's omnipresent number four he's omniscient and then number five he is god the holy spirit is god now hopefully this would be self-explanatory or self-evident after two through four the only thing in the world or, or in existence that is omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient is God. And so let's look at Acts chapter 5. 
Again, for all of these things, we could look at several scriptures. But for the purpose of the sermon today, uh, because I want to eat lunch sometime today, uh, we're going to just give you a supporting verse for each thought. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 is famous for the story of Ananias and Sapphira. These were two disciples. Uh, Acts chapter 4, Christians at that time who, were, who had come to Christ, the Jews were disowning them. Uh, they would often lose their families. They would lose their homes. Their bosses who were Jewish would take away their jobs. The Jewish people that owned the markets wouldn't let them buy or sell. And so basically they became outcasts from society and they were treated as dead Matter of fact, sometimes they would have funerals with empty caskets and such uh, for their people that had gotten saved and, and became believers in Christ. And because of this, there became a Christian subculture going on in Jerusalem. And the Christians began taking care of one another. Those that had more would give and sacrifice for those that had less. Uh, and, and so it became a subculture providing uh, money and food and work for Christians who were there. Now, Ananias and Sapphira knew about this, and they had some things. They had some, some finances, and they owned a piece of land, and they thought, well, we want to get in on, on all this blessing, and we do want to help, but we also want people to think well of us. So we're going to sell this piece of land and we're going to tell them we sold it for this much, but we actually sold it for this much, and we're going to keep the difference. So maybe the example for our area would be, you know, this piece of land is worth $150,000, but we're going, to sell them, we're going to tell them we sold it for a hundred, and we're going to keep 50000 That way we're still helping. They'll still think we're great, but we still get some of the cash. The problem is God didn't like that, and they were lying, and they were proud, and they weren't just lying to people, but God said, you're lying to me. And so we pick up the story in, now let's just look at verse 1. Acts chapter 5, verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. So they had agreed on this. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to who? The Holy Ghost. And to keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thy own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy power? Why, is, why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? God. Now wait, uh, verse 3 says they lied unto the Holy Ghost. Verse 4 said they lied unto God. Which one's right? They both are. Because the Holy Ghost is God. And all throughout the scripture, you see no problem with God calling, the Bible calls God, uh, calls the Father God. The Bible calls the Son God. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit God. And so there, there's no difference in the Bible. They're synonymous. There's a difference in function. For example, you see the Father more active in the Old Testament. You see Christ really active during his time on earth. And then uh, during the church age, you see the Holy Spirit more active, uh, directly involved in the life of the believer. So they have different personalities and they have different functions, if you will. But they are all God working in perfect unison, always working together as a perfect symphony. So here we find that the Holy Spirit is called God. Let me also say a word about socialism and communism. Uh, really popular right now and even 
a couple socialists running for a Democratic president uh, nominee and all of that. Uh, And they'll often use Acts chapter 4 as a reason to say, well, the Bible promotes socialism. Now, we preached a whole message on that, and you can look it up online. Is socialism biblical? And the answer is no. This this was not a forced action. There was no governmental authority or power making people redistribute their wealth. This was Christian generosity. Matter of fact, Peter even told them, while you had it, wasn't your own? Wasn't the land your own? Couldn't you do whatever you want with it? Nobody was making you. Nobody made you give this land. The problem is you decided to try to deceive God and his people. That's where the sin lied. There was no mandate for these people to give. And let me just encourage you that that when it comes voting season and all of this stuff, uh, look at each each person running and say, who is closest to the scripture? You say, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I'm a Christian. And so I'm not going to vote for someone that, that's promoting unchristian ideas. Sometimes very basic unchristian ideas. Matter of fact, the platforms of both parties, look at them and say, okay, which one is, is closer aligned to the Scripture and which one is further away? Uh, because Americans, if we want to keep our religious freedom in America, we've got to be smart about this stuff and stop just voting emotionally and getting caught up in all the drama. What is the truth? What does God's Word say? And so on. And so uh, I have to mention that because I, I was I know some of you are feeling the burn. And uh, Ethan over there, he's feeling the burn. And no, no. And uh, but but I mean, I'm serious. This goes far beyond personalities and politics. The, these are uh, fundamental matters of, of Scripture and humanity. And so we see here the Holy Spirit is called God. He's a part of the eternal Godhead. Now, some people would say, well, pastor, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, so the, the concept of the Trinity is unbiblical. And while it's true, the, the word Trinity isn't mentioned in the Bible, the concept is found all throughout it. The Bible term for Trinity is the word Godhead. It's all three persons mentioned as one, Godhead. And so the Holy Spirit is part of the eternal Godhead. And they're often mentioned equally. The Holy Spirit is mentioned equal with the Father and Son. And so, for example, Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, just because the Holy Ghost is often mentioned third doesn't mean that that is an order of importance. It's not that the, it's not the Holy Spirit is that, that, like, like that unliked stepchild of the Godhead. No, he's, he's the Godhead. But just in the way we understand things, this is how we talk, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, all right? And then, so we said the Holy Spirit, by way of introduction, who is this Holy Spirit? What does He do? We said, number one, He's a person. Number two, He's omnipotent. Number three, He's omnipresent. Number four, He's omniscient. Number five, He is God. And then number six, He is busy. And this is the last one I'll give you today. He is busy. The Holy Spirit's busy. Uh, Look at Romans chapter 15. And let's look at verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul talking, giving a testimony. Through mighty signs and wonders, by who? By the power of the Spirit of God. Uh, And so, then he goes on to say, I've fully preached the gospel. 
of Christ. And so how did he preach the gospel? By the Spirit of God. How did he do mighty signs? By the Spirit of God. How did he do wonders? By the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, the Old Testament says, Not by might, not by power, but by thy Spirit, saith the Lord. And so it is by the Spirit of God that we are to live for God. You can't live for God in the power of your flesh. Matter of fact, some of you might be getting burned out because you're just trying to be a good person. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to just uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just will it through. And you're trying to be tough and you're trying to, have, to just serve God by duty. And, and you don't really want to be here, but you're here anyway and all of that. Well, why don't you just tap into the power of the Holy Spirit? Why don't you allow the Holy Spirit to uh, fill you and empower you to do what God wants you to do? The Bible is very clear that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5 tells us. And so the only way to truly overcome the power of the flesh is not by, I'm not going to sin, I'm going to try really hard, I'm going to try to do better, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You're going to keep sinning and sinning and falling and falling. That's not how you overcome sin and the sin nature. The way you overcome the sin nature is by yielding to God and by allowing the Spirit of God to fill you. And when you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't do right and wrong at the same time. So the Bible says, break off your sins by righteousness. You can't speak good and bad at the same time. So fill your mouth with good. You can't be filled with the fruit of the Spirit and the lusts of the flesh at the same time. So have the fruit of the Spirit. Light always overcomes darkness when given the chance. You can go into the darkest room in the world and light a match. And the darkness flees where that match is. That is symbolic of the fact that darkness can never overpower light. Satan can never defeat evil. The way to get victory in your life is not trying to beat down the darkness, but it's giving in to the light. And as you're filled with the light... Darkness flees. The Holy Spirit's busy. He empowered Paul to do the work of God. We'll look at later this year at how Jesus Christ, as our example, the miracles he did were through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit beyond measure. And if Christ, our example, the, the perfect Son of God, did all of his work in the power of the Spirit, then we must do our work in the power of the Spirit as well and do God's work in the power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's busy. Uh, we've identified over the years 34 activities in the Holy Ghost of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer. We'll probably review that sometime later. Uh, 34 activities that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life before you got saved, while you got saved, and after you got saved. Most of those are after you got saved. Uh, the problem is if you're quenching the Holy Spirit today or you're grieving the Holy Spirit, you're losing the benefit of all of those activities the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Uh, Wilmington identified 57 ministries of the Holy Spirit found in the Old and New Testaments. See, the Holy Spirit's busy. When we find Him in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, He's busy working. He's moving. And today in this service, He's moving. Uh, in fact, the Holy Spirit's trying to work on you right now. If you're listening, he's trying to work on you right now. 
What's he doing? Well, one thing he's doing is revealing the Scripture. You know, it's interesting, as I'm talking to you, if you're getting what I'm saying, that's not just because I have some unusual power of explaining things. It's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you're paying attention right now, it's not because I just somehow am magnetizing your brain to pay attention. It's because the Holy Spirit hopefully has captivated your heart. And He's drawing you in. He's having you pay attention. That, that still, small voice, the Holy Spirit's tugging on places in your soul that I don't have access to. He's speaking to a place in your heart where, where a human mouth can't reach. And so John 16, 13, we said it earlier, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. So he's guiding us into all truth. He's revealing the scripture. I read a verse and maybe it opens up and you say, wow, I never saw it like that before. That's the Holy Spirit. I might be preaching a totally different subject. And some of you right now, the Holy Spirit is communicating to you about things that I haven't even mentioned. This is this is why the miracle happens is a preacher can preach to 50 people or 500 people or 5000 people. And everybody in the room is getting a different application. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is to take the Word of God and and apply it to my life and to your life. I don't know what's going on in your home. I don't know what's going on in your heart. But He does. And so He tailors the truth to you. And that's why we we try to encourage people that anytime you hear preaching, just whisper a prayer, say, say, God, talk to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Try to be open to that. Now, there may be someone here that, you know what, you don't want to be here and the truth is you're done and you're just putting in your time. You're just poking. You're just punching a time clock. You know, you're thinking about everything else you got to do. Uh, and if the Holy Spirit tries to get your attention, you're like, shh, shh, shh. I don't want to think about that. I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, it's called quenching the Holy Spirit. And some Christians have told the Holy Spirit to be quiet so many times. That he rarely speaks to you at all. That should scare you. It should scare you if you're a Christian and you don't you don't sense him. Speak. I'm not talking about an audible voice. If you start hearing voices in your head, go get that checked out. You know, I mean, it's like, listen to the preacher. You know, if you start hearing stuff like that, you know, just go get that checked out. You know, uh, but I'm talking about that still small voice. You know what it is? It's those 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 proddings, promptings. And so you, you got to want to pay attention to the Spirit. Jesus often said, he that hath ears, let him hear. You know, a lot of people heard Jesus and they didn't get what he said. They heard his words, but they didn't get what he said. Matter of fact, that's why he spoke to them in parables. Because they didn't really want to know. And so I encourage you here today, the Holy Spirit is trying to work in your life. He's busy. He's busy revealing Scripture and hopefully he gave you something out of the message. And then... He's busy convicting of sin. Look at John 15. This is the last verse I'll show you. John 15. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is convicting someone right now. If you're listening and you're not born again, you're not saved, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven when you die, the Holy Spirit's trying to convince you of your need of Christ. He's trying to convince you that you're not okay and that you need a Savior and that you have sin and there's a penalty on your sin. He's trying to point you to the, to the Son. Well, John 16, verse 7, thank you. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. This is amazing that Jesus said, it's better for you that I go and the Holy Spirit come than that if I just stayed here on earth. That's amazing. And look at verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I want you to look at me. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. The Holy Spirit's working to try to convince you and convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Bible says of sin here because we don't believe on him. If you've never believed in Jesus, you're still in your sin. The wrath of God is abiding on you right now. You're one heartbeat away from hell, the scripture says. And so there's an urgency to be saved. There's an urgency to trust Christ. We are still in our sin if we've never believed in the Son. And then of righteousness. We don't have the example of Christ before us today. So we have examples of righteousness in the scripture. We have the Ten Commandments telling us what right is and what uh, uh, we're supposed to be. Listen, none of us are perfect. Uh, We have all uh, had idols. We've put things in front of God. We have all uh, done, broken those Ten Commandments. And so we are guilty before God. And the Holy Spirit is trying to convince us we're in sin and we're guilty. And there's judgment coming. And he tries to point us to Christ so that we can get saved. And I ask you this morning to consider Christ. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's no greater time. The Bible says today's the day. Now is the time. People say, I'll get saved tomorrow. Do you know what? When tomorrow gets here, do you know what it'll be? It'll be today. Tomorrow never comes. That's why you got to get saved today. Today's the day. Now's the time. I'll do it later today. No, you strike while the iron's hot. If God's speaking to you now, you get saved now. There's no guarantee you're going to leave here. And as soon as as soon as we stop here in a moment and people are going to be talking to you, you go out in the car, you look at your text, you get a phone call. Your mind, Satan's going to work to pull your mind a million miles away from this message so that so that that, that you cool off and you're that there's no urgency about about salvation anymore. Oh, you strike while the iron's hot. You answer while God's speaking. You don't wait. Today's the day. Now's the time. But see, it's the Holy Spirit. If 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 that resonates with you and you say, boy, I'd like to be saved today, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. And so an introduction to the Holy Spirit. I want you to remind yourself this afternoon that the Holy Spirit is in you trying to work. Tomorrow, when you get up in the morning, the Holy Spirit's in you trying to work. Every day, let there never be a day that goes by when we don't remember he's there and try to yield to him. We said, number one, he's a person. Number two, he's omnipotent. Number three, he's omnipresent. Number four, he's omniscient. Number five, he is God. Number six, he is busy. This is the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to live supernatural lives like God has wants us to, then we have to learn to live in his power, not in our own. Let's pray. Bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, thanks for the chance to talk from your word today. We pray you'd give us wisdom as we, uh, right now, think about what we should do. Lord, if someone's not saved, I pray that you'd draw them and convict them and help them to put their faith in you now. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are born again, that there'd be a, a freshness and a newness to our understanding of of who the Holy Spirit is and how we're to interact with him, what he's trying to do in us. And may we 
live that supernatural life as we yield to him and allow his power to come through us. And so we pray you bless the invitation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We always take just a, a few minutes at the end of the service. This is time for you to apply what you've heard. It does no good if you just hear and it goes in one ear and out the other. But what does God want you to do? How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're here this morning, you're not even saved. Let us take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're saved. I'm not talking about joining the church or baptism, talking about putting your faith in Jesus. He did all the work, but you need to ask and receive and believe. Then I wonder if you are born again. How about today we just start a new, new habit, a new priority of talking to God every day, of realizing the Holy Spirit's within us, of listening to that still, small voice, those promptings, those leadings. And if you're saved, you've had them. Maybe you didn't know what they were, but you've had them. Don't, don't, don't dismiss those. Don't put them to the side. Listen to them. Perhaps God's trying to get your attention about something today. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar's open. At the end of our service, some like to come.